Come, Lord Jesus. Come and illumine our souls, our hearts, our minds this day with the light of your truth. Help us to see, help us to contemplate the mystery of your coming. We ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I love the season of Advent. I can't imagine being in a church that doesn't celebrate Advent. It's such a beautiful and rich expression of our Christian faith, and particularly, I think, for us as liturgical Christians, the music of Advent is just absolutely uh, just so precious and wonderful. I want to begin my Advent homily with you by recalling a text from one of the Advent hymns. In fact, it uh, is hymn number 60, just before, just after the one we just sang. Uh, but there's the opening line says this, Creator of the stars of night, your people's everlasting light, O Christ, Redeemer of us all, we pray you hear us when you call. Creator of the stars of night. I wonder if you've had this experience as the seasons change and night becomes so much more visible and real to us as the time changes. And maybe you've been privileged to be in a part of the country where you really saw the stars. I mean, really saw the stars. Where there was no surrounding uh, town or city, uh, but you were absolutely vulnerable before the naked sky and to recognize the immensity of the creation. I've had that happen a couple of times, most when I was living in Colorado, um, high up on Long's Peak, uh, two or three o'clock in the morning. I mean, you could just really touch heaven, right? The stars are so brilliant and so powerful. And you can't really say anything about it. You have to stop and contemplate. Say nothing. And hear the whisper of God who says, I did this for you. I did this for you. I think Advent is about our becoming more contemplative in life. Now, those of you who have been with me uh, in the parish since I've been the rector know that I have a bent for the contemplative tradition. And there's many reasons for that. But certainly one of them is it's an aspiration. <laughs> I want to be a contemplative when I grow up. I'm certainly not there yet. I aspire to be a contemplative. That is to be more fully awake and fully alive and fully present to the life that God has given me. And I think it's the human condition that we just struggle with that. We miss out on so much of reality. Reality is too big. And so a lot of times we, we just aren't present to the everyday occurrences of God's gifting, God's presence to us. Advent is an invitation to become more contemplative. And I'm not meaning by that to become a monk or to be religious. I mean to be more awake. Contemplative spirituality really is about a way of life. 
And I think this is what the scriptures are teaching us today. Both the epistle, Paul's statement in Romans, awake, you know what time it is. It's time to wake up, be fully present. And Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, so it will be. People will be going on with their kind of everyday deal and completely miss the point because they're not awake. So contemplative life is the invitation of Advent. It's kind of like we are given this opportunity for four weeks to enlarge the horizons of our life, the ordinary scaffolding that we hold on to, the ordinary psychological struggles that we have, the ordinary kind of routines and ruts that we fall into, and expand the horizon just a bit. Look up in the night sky, see the stars, see the wonder, the spiritual wonder that is all around us. And to do that, we have to stay awake to our heart. That's the first call. That's the first work. Because our heart is where our life flows from, the core of who we really are, the heart, the inward life, the inward person, the true person that we are. Stay awake to your heart and be surprised. This is really what the Christian faith is teaching us. It's, it's about wisdom. When, when Jesus was speaking about as it is in the days of Noah, there are two ways to live. Noah, for some unreasonably understood gift of God, was awake and aware to his voice. But the rest, apparently, of society wasn't. And to be awake in our hearts is to know that God is speaking to us. Thomas Merton said, the great contemplative It's a life fully awake, fully active, and fully alive. I think that's what we all want, to be fully alive. I get tired of sleepwalking through the days. We all know what that's like when we're asleep and we miss things. But wisdom is about knowing how to live in a vital way. The wise guard their hearts. That's from Proverbs. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart. Pay attention to your heart. Watch over your heart. Watch over the inner truth of who you are because out of it flows what life is all about. So to guard your heart is to pay attention. It's to be awake. And sometimes we need wake-up calls. And none of us really like wake-up calls because they usually call us by surprise. And yet, you look back on your life and you say, Thank God for that wake-up call. I was really falling asleep at the wheel. I think we all perhaps have this illusion that we're really awake. But I think we're asleep a lot of the time. I know I can certainly be. We need God's grace, and so Advent calls us to be still to look up at the night sky, to find a life apart from the enmeshment of our ordinary life and to pray and to be open, to hear God, to say, what time is it in my life? My goodness, I'm going to be 64 in January. What are the big questions in my life today? Every decade has a series of questions that you have to ask and focus on. Now, the questions that I asked myself when I was in my 20s and 30s are not the questions that I'm asking in my 60s and as I move to my 70s. There's a different set of questions. Stay awake. Prayer is such a gift. Meredith Wilson was the musician who wrote The Music Man, the play The Music Man. 
He told of a dream that he had. In the dream, he was one of many musicians playing music before a great and wealthy king. And the king was so impressed with the music that at the end of the concert, he said, Come, musicians, and fill your instruments with golden coins from my treasury. And Wilson then concluded somewhat mournfully, There I stood with my piccolo. (laughs) You know? Isn't that the truth? (laughs) It's like, you know, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. (laughs) Bring the biggest jar you can. And that's why we need to guard our heart in Advent, stay awake to it. The second kind of way in which I find this at work is we have to stay awake to those that we love, stay awake in our relationships, and most mostly important, our primary relationships, and living with more presence. Our relationships grow when we are loving enough to be present to one another, and that's a challenge. Now, I butchered this word uh, at the 9 o'clock service. In fact, I didn't really even get it out. I started to roll it out and then knew I wasn't going to get there. And so you abort it right in the middle of the, you know, the word. This is a tricky word. But when you're not present with people, you are this, somnambulistic. It's like you're sleepwalking in a fog, somnambulistic. So use that on your spouse, you know. You know what, Rob? You are somnambulistic. But we need to be present in our relationships because that's the only way in which we can encounter. And God comes to us in our relationships. I long to live with more presence. When you love someone, the best thing you can do is offer your presence. This past weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, Nancy and I uh, were Skyping with our son, Jonathan and Yana, And being present to them is a little difficult since they live in Barcelona, Spain. But thank God for the technology of of the Internet where we can be present in a a different way. Anyway, I was kind of joking around with him. I said, well, how was the turkey, Jonathan? He goes, Dad, there's no turkey in Spain. They don't celebrate Thanksgiving. And I said, I know. I was just joking around. And I thought about this, that, you know, there's some good news of presence in their lives and in our lives that I wanted to share with you. John and Yana uh, were married here, uh, blessed their marriage here uh, about four years ago. And they've been trying to have a child, and it's not been easy for them. They've had a, a long kind of twisted journey on this and medical issues and things like that. But Yana is now five months pregnant with a grandchild coming our way. Hallelujah. There's going to be another Lord walking the planet. He might be Spanish. He might be German. I don't know. But anyway, he's out there. She might be out there. I don't know the sex. But anyway, I'm deeply happy for them. And again, we know what it's like when our children, when our children find life, right? You know, I was a preacher's kid. And preacher's kids are preacher's kids. And my son was a preacher's kid. And we all have, those of us who have children know that it takes an awful lot of grace, right, to raise children. Because we love them so much that, you know, our deepest pain and anguish in life and our deepest joys often come through our children, right? 
And so uh, the fact that they are present and having a baby and, and knowing that, again, opens me to the wonder of life, the mystery of life. And I got a, I got a, I, I, I don't want to overdo this, but I got a, a text right before the 1115 service from Jonathan. And he says, Hey, Dad, guess where I was this morning? I was at St. George's Anglican Church in Barcelona, Spain, and we really enjoyed it, and we think we'll be going back to the parish. Now, do you, you know what a miracle that is? Well, I'll tell you another time, but anyway. <laughs> so, you know, Advent, as much as we understand it is about the three comings of God, the coming of Christ as our Savior and Healer, the coming of Christ again at the end of time, and believe me, hear what I say, the New Testament is absolutely, absolutely certain of his coming. There's a day when hope and justice and peace will break forth and Jesus will appear and his presence will transform the cosmos. That's our hope. But the third coming is his coming to us in the ordinary life that we live and our coming to God every day. So my invitation to you, as it is to me, is the gospel lesson and the hard apocryphal images that we see. They're not to make us afraid or to threaten us. They're to invite us and evoke in us a longing and a yearning for a more contemplative, present, awake, alive life. And it's ours by grace. It's already given. We just simply need to kind of look up in the sky, see the brilliance and wonder of the world, and hear the whisper of God. I did this all for you. Amen. Amen.